Hello and welcome back to another episode of Golan Globus Theater. With you, as always, for two two out of two is, of course, BC Rich Warlock and myself. Hey. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt you there, BC. <laughs> my bad. And, of course, myself, Epiphone Wilshire. And uh, before we get too far into things here, we're going to go ahead and cover what people will notice is missing from uh, last week. Yeah, we got some bad news. Um, we're not going to be covering the movie we said we were from last episode, Kinjite, Forbidden Subjects. Because, well, if there's if there's any mission statement for our podcast, it's basically fun. And also, we figured, since we're starting out, we're new to this whole podcast thing, so we wanted to start out with the holy trinity of Golden Globus, which, of course, is Chuck Norris... Charles Bronson, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to start out with some lesser-known ones. We want, you know, we want to go out with the classics because we, we still, I mean, haven't figured out what we're doing. It's a work in progress. It really is. So we blindly picked Kinjite, <laughs> Forbidden Subjects, <laughs> thinking it was going to be your basic, you know, Golden Globus shoot 'em up, and it was to a degree. Yeah. But one thing we didn't know about was that. The main theme of the movie is child sex trafficking. And no matter how we, tr- we tried, we can't make that fun. Yeah. And we tried, believe me. We, re- we recorded not one, but two episodes. We spent five hours working yeah. on that. Yeah, and it was, it was, it was rough. <laughs> I mean, you, you'll never hear them because they were pretty bad. Yeah. So, in, but, there are, but at the same time, there are were some tropes in Kinjite. Forbidden subjects that we wanted to cover because there's one that's a, it's a very classic 80s Golden Globus trope, and that is Rogue Cop who plays by his own rules. And he really did. <laughs> well, I mean, Griff, explain what happened in the beginning of the movie. Well, we uh we get the, a nice big uh, bust up going on here. We know uh we don't know what this movie's about yet, but we know we've got a lady who is being uh getting ready to be handcuffed to a bed. And uh, Charles Bronson's been trying to follow these guys and get to our villain. And so uh, he's in here to crack up this, um, this uh, soon-to-be sexual encounter that we find out is with a minor. Um, and he's a cop. We don't know he's a cop because he never pulls his badge out one time. He does not time use a badge. Through the entire movie. I, I think he thought his mustache was badge enough. Yeah, it usually he does was, pass as a badge. He was like, look, look at this mustache. I'm a cop. Yeah. So he busts in there. He's got a partner. You barely notice the partner, like they're friends, but he also dies, and Charles doesn't even bat an eye over it. Because um, he's a rogue cop. Because he's a rogue cop. He, he's, he plays by his own rules. Exactly. He's by himself uh, in his heart of hearts. So I work alone. <laughs> um, so the two of them break in. Uh, I, I, I believe there was two guys in there. They kicked the shit out of him. Uh, I think there was just one, but he was he was an asshole. Yeah, I mean, he had he had some he had some nerve. He's like, "How dare you?" Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who uh, I'm just about to have sex with a teenage girl. How dare you? Exactly. Break in here? And this guy, this uh, bad guy that he busts up, he he comes prepared. He's got a suitcase. Uh, and the suitcase has maybe it's all the bare essentials you need. Uh, yeah, rubber gloves, riding crop, big ass dildo, and of course, tub of Vaseline. So a very improvisational uh, 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 villain buster like um, 
our man uh, Charles Bronson. He of course kicks the shit out of this guy, and he says, "What, I, what can I do to this creep?" <laughs> that was <laughs> that was a great Charles Bronson. Yeah. Um, it was passable. <laughs> better than usual. It didn't go into Chicago land, I don't think. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> so um, we get we get uh, instead of the lady who's now been escorted out, we get uh, this this crook bent over the bed, and Charles. Rearing back the dildo, and then it just cuts away. <laughs> cuts to him back home where he tells his wife, Honey, I think this job's really starting to get to me. No shit. Yeah. But see, that's basically the kind of things you expect from a lone wolf cop. You know, he just he, he takes justice into his own hands because justice doesn't isn't doing it, man. Yeah. And of course, he already knows who the main villain is. So we get very early on, we get a scene where he's uh Pretty much already caught his mouse. Yeah, Duke the pimp. And, of, and of course, you're not going to just arrest the guy. What are you going to do? You're going to make him eat his watch. Yeah, so... And so this, this is probably one of the best scenes in the movie. And we don't... I don't know, we don't want to take the time to, like, cut it, edit it in. So we're going to do a dramatic uh, recreation of this. I will... do. Uh, Griff's going to be playing Duke, the role of Duke the pimp. I will be playing the role of Charles Bronson, Lieutenant Crow. We still don't know what his first name was. Yeah, he didn't have a first name at all. But this is basically this is this is how the scene goes. <clears throat> what the hell have you brought me here for? You see, look, I think you're a little bit unstable. You got a wife and a couple of kids, right? What do you make? About thirty-five grand. This is a president with a diamond face. Twenty-five big ones at Tiffany's. It's yours, and we never see each other again. I'd like to shove this up your ass, yeah. but I don't want to dirty my hands. Yeah. You're going to eat it. <laughs> You're going to eat it, and I'll blow your head off. Open your mouth. Uh. <coughs> <coughs> oh, God. I'm dying. No, you're not. But you'll have to stick your head between your legs to tell the time. And scene. Oh, man. That's the caliber of acting we were dealing with with this movie <laughs> and that's probably the best scene so you're not missing much people yeah there it starts out like a wacky going globus movie and then it's it like gets... it's like it's like the way i describe it it's like a very dark serious movie bookended by a going globus movie like it yeah. starts out wacky gets super fucking dark then gets wacky again yeah so i'm not even we're not even saying don't watch it but what we're saying is, I mean, because it, it actually, honestly, it, it touched on some interesting kind of uh, themes. And for Golden Globus, they actually do a pretty good job of describing some of the emotions, which usually like a post-molestation uh, or rape victim, they they just pop back up and are all Right, like once you kill off the villain, they're like cured now. Yeah. Like, there's no issue. But So yeah, so it, I mean, I... I wouldn't say avoid it, but it's just it wasn't conducive to the show we're trying to you yeah. know, do. But the good news is at the end, Duke gets taught a lesson because he could he well he crashes his car into the water and you figure oh, that's it. Yeah, Lieutenant Crow's just gonna let him drown. No, he shows mercy. Yeah, and he shows mercy the only way Charles Bronson can show. By putting him in jail where he's going to be raped by uh, Danny Trejo for probably the next 30 years. Because, <laughs> of course, Danny's in uh, prison with him. Of course. <laughs> 
But uh, you know, I, I I joked around. You can't you can't flash a dildo in the first scene and not have some kind of prison rape in the last scene. Right. It, so, it's, it's like the circle of life. It's it comes, really it it's comes the Golden circle. Globe is full circle. So you know, basically that's it for Kinjite. Forbidden subjects. I was really late on that. <laughs> but don't worry because we're doing a better movie today. We're not letting you guys down. We are gonna we're gonna be talking about the only VD you want, and that's JCVD <laughs> and the amazing 1989 classic Cyborg. Welcome to the world of the not too distant future. Get going, go! A brutal gang is reshaping the world into their own vision of hell. And only one man can stop them. Jean-Claude Van Damme is leading the battle between good and evil. Take them out. As it's never been fought before. He's on a desperate mission to rescue a cyborg who holds the secret for saving the world. Why did you help me? I don't want to see you die. From the dust of destruction rises the warrior of a new age. Say goodbye, my friend. Jean-Claude Van Damme has become the first hero of the 21st century. Cyborg. All right, Griff. But before we start, we got some business to do. Mm. I don't. I don't know if you've you heard, but since we debuted our first episode, we're blowing up. Yeah. Last time I checked, there was what ten downloads. Uh, sure. And only half of them were our friends. That's how how much how much we're blowing <laughs> up right now. And Five so we're mysteries. getting the quality of our sponsors is going through the roof. I mean, my email is full right now, which is potential. So. Let's get some business out of the way first. I'm going to read a message from our sponsor, and then we'll get in the movie. Is that cool with you? That sounds perfect. I hope this guy gave us more than the last guy. Well, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. Oh, Well, here's the thing. I've got some misgivings about this commercial, but the check cleared, so we're going to do it. But I'll I'll get in there later. I just want to – I'm going to to read read the the commercial for you right now. All right. Let me get my announcer voice. (laughs) Do you want to make menstruation great again? Then you need Trump brand feminine hygiene products. Yes, Trump brand maxi pads. Grab your pussy with a firm but gentle touch that's guaranteed to be super absorbent no matter how huge your flow. Perhaps you prefer tampons, or should I say trump-pons, which build a wall between you and all offensive odors so you can go about your day with that fresh feeling. Trump brand feminine hygiene products will turn your periods into exclamation points or your money back. If you're looking for a bigly douche, look no further than Trump. Now, Griff, yeah. this product sounds amazing, first of all. But the issue I have is, should a sitting president really be shilling products right now? Should he be profiting? 
Uh, is his face on the box? Of like, course it is. With the presidential seal? Yeah. Is that, yeah it actually does have the pre- presidential seal of approval on it. Uh, I feel like that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. But... I, I, I'm uncomfortable with it, too. But I don't know. Maybe that's... You know what? That's for greater minds than ours to go over. I've, I mean... He's already got Rudy Giuliani in his corner at this moment of time of re- the recording. Who knows? We're, on, we're many... getting a little too topical. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> but enjoy that product. It's great. It makes it almost makes me wish I was a woman so I could enjoy that I mean, product. It, <sighs> now let's go into what we're really here for, Griff. I mean, I want to get. I want to focus here because all this talk of Trump pads and I, I just. I want to focus Trump on pons, Trump pawns. Get it pons. right. See, I, not enough Van Damme movie in this movie to really pull my head away from here, but my my uh, uh, long history of getting into uh, these bad action movies is uh, growing up with a, a certain man, a John Claude Van Damme, and just being completely enamored by him. Would you say Would you say he's your role model? Uh, for the longest time, between probably years uh, seven and uh, thirty one now, seven and thirty one, he's been my role model. Um, we, uh, I try to do the splits every day in my backyard and fail, but you know, I, I, I dream of Never another give time. Up. Keep, and, keep doing it. But as a child, like that was the most impressionable I, uh, I ever was for the JCVD-ness. And uh, he was just always such a cool, quiet guy in his movies. He, ne- he never had a whole lot of lines, probably because he still has like a pretty heavy accent. He's uh, also very asexual. He was super asexual. Like, he was never interested in a lady. Uh, so it's like, we, we kind of touched on this in the, char- or, uh, the hero and the, and the terror. <laughs> I'm forgetting those episodes already. Um, so long ago. But it's like, in, in lieu of having like a partially naked woman, it's usually Van Damme getting a butt shot in there. He's got a great way. ass, though, man. He does. I mean, show it off. You got it. Flaunt it. Uh, if you can imagine an eight-year-old Griff going to second or third grade, whatever you're in, I got a hoop earring because John Claude had one, and uh, I believe that was hard target. Uh, I wanted to grow out a nice little curly mullet thing, I, I, but my mom, being the probably probably good parent that she was, didn't allow for that. That sounds like child abuse to me. Boots. Always want to wear boots. John Claw was always wearing boots. High-waisted slacks. I had a few pairs. I loved them. Eight-year-old with high high slacks. That's cool. That's that's fashion. That that, that right there. That's yes. I was very popular. All of the one lady liked me, and I know why. It's because of that JCVD nest. But I was too cool for her. To right. Like JCVD. You were like. I love you, but from afar. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I was like, there's a past that you don't know about when I was four, and I don't want to talk about it. Because <laughs> there's always somebody in the past that limits him from ever Always engaging. like a lost love. Yeah. Like he doesn't want to tarnish her like, memory exactly. they by did. ever having sex for the rest of his life. Exactly. It's like, nope, you just do it once, and then you're done. Um so I forget where I was going with all this, but wasn't that was another reason why your mother let you watch John Claude Van? Damme yeah, that was, thank you. That was a big reason my mom let me watch it because there was very rarely any kind of lady nudity, and uh, she that was the only thing she didn't approve of. So it was like any any and all action, fine. You know, I there's throat slitting in this. Uh, like I actually don't think I saw this one as a kid. <laughs> But well, this had boobs sitting, in it. That's th- why this one had a nip and a butt, yeah. um, and not Van Damme's butt. 
Sorry, guys. Sorry. But sudden death. It was death a nice spot, though, but it wasn't his. Yeah. Sudden death and uh, hard target. Uh, just yeah, I'm so many. Think, my mom didn't care. We watched, I could watch whatever. I mean, I, um, I, she wouldn't, like, hey, watch porn or anything. But Commando. Yeah, I've. I've seen. I saw Commando with my mom. Yeah, when it came out, Under Siege was one that I saw, but we had to skip over because there's the part where the lady pops out of the cake. Really? Uh, Even like two seconds of boobs was too much. Too much. Two boobs, too many. I mean, I could say Griff's not old enough to remember this, but when I was a kid, you could have nudity in PG movies. This was before PG thirteen was even invented. And, of course, it would have to be, like, in a non-sexual scenario. So yeah. there would be plenty of women bathing scenes. It was like, pro- yeah, that or, that like, in. the little brothers hiding in the closet and pops out and the camera courses in the closet. Yeah, I remember, them. like, Clash of the Titans had some nudity in it and yeah. some other stuff. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's weird. So let's go ahead because I, I, I can't really uh, uh, just – Thrill the world with my love of John Claude. So we're going to go into... Uh, Let's give you a reason for you guys to love Sean God. <laughs> man, as much as Griff loves Sean God. And, man, I mean, man. this movie did uh, did pretty all right for itself. It was shot for only uh, $500,000. And it managed to box, uh, or gross rather, $10 million. It was also only shot in 23 days. I don't even remember when this came out. I mean, yeah. I think I saw it on VHS, like, afterwards. So <laughs> they also made this movie to recoup uh, some of the losses they had when they tried to make the second Masters of the Universe and uh, Spider-Man movies, and they dumped a couple million in costumes and sets. So they quickly... That's, for, that's hard to believe, a couple yeah. million <laughs> spent on these costumes. So Must have been on those shades alone. Well, no, that was for the uh, Spider-Man and uh, Master of the Universe. What, what what could remotely be five hundred thousand for this movie? I know, but like, what costumes do you think would have been in Spider-Man? I can't. There was well, there was a guy that wore like a mesh thing on his face, like yeah. a, looked like a fishnet stocking over his face. Maybe that was like Spider-Man's mask originally. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're dealing with going globe. So, uh, let's see, but. Um... John Claude was actually offered three different choices. Uh, he was offered the choice between this movie, Cyborg, Delta Force Two, or American Ninja Three. Well, I know. I guess I see why he took Cyborg because you don't want to follow somebody else. You want to do your own thing. You yeah. Know? So that's my guess as to why he did Cyborg. He he says that he regrets doing it, and I don't see why. It's it's not it's not a bad movie. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. Yeah. So. Uh, the other thing to bring up here real quick is that this was actually an X-rated movie, and they had to cut scenes out. So they did try to go through and do a director's cut uh, about actually six or seven years ago, and I thought it was just going to be including those extra violent scenes, but I, I just kind of poked around, and people were not happy about it, like actual Cyborg fans, and it doesn't sound like they just added in the... Uh, the scenes of more violence. I think they just added in more of John Claude walking and more of uh, Fender on the boat. So, you know, who well, wouldn't want to see more of that? more knife sharpening. More knife sharpening. There's about 10 minutes of knife sharpening in this movie. So, this movie is, uh, we don't know what year it is. Somewhere. Some, 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 sometime in the near future. So, uh, we're talking 89 here when the film's made. So, so we're probably 10 years ago. Probably ten years it ago. Happened. It's definitely one of those movies where it's like in the year two thousand. Well, he, they, I think the tagline is he's the first star of the twenty first century. Yes, so it happened. It, it had to have happened at least two thousand one or whatever. Yeah. 
Oh, you're right. You're right. Good call. So in this dystopian future, um, we start in uh, North Carolina and we're heading to Atlanta. So we get to well, see. Well, I mean, what, what happens is society breaks down like it does in dystopian futures. Mm-hmm. You know, the government collapses and then there's this disease that comes out. They the don't need that. Plague. They just call it the plague. The plague. They're, they're not even giving it a name. Yeah. It's just the plague. So the whole premise of the story is to stop this plague. And who has the cure for the plague? This- well, we've got a cyborg. And um, the cyborg is introduced. So it's, let's let's call it 2005, okay? So the present day that we're watching this in is 2005. And the cyborg is created in 2005, so we have this horrible dystopian future. But we could turn a human being into a cyborg. And this is a full-on human being that they cut and remove the brain of yeah, and like, replace with a computer. And then they just cover it with a wig. Yeah. That, that was kind of great, though, like the eyeball. And I'm using Gross Out by Eyes, but that was kind of cool. And they had some sweet Terminator 2 Yeah, because she, had, she, want, she needed to prove to Jean-Claude, as he's known in this, this movie, Gibson Rickenbacker. Yeah, and uh, that was a heavy theme that we'll get into in a second. So she's like, look, no, I'm a cyborg. So she pulls off this wig, and you can see all this. Like, it's like a really bad like stop-motion animation. Yeah. <laughs> and you see, like, back of her head is all robotic. And you're, th- cause it, you're thinking, so they don't have, like, like, a computer they could download this information they need. They need to turn a woman into a cyborg. So yeah. they can get this They couldn't just build a computer the size of a human head and carry it <laughs> in a satchel of sorts. No, that would be too easy. Yeah, so you got to kill know. a woman, turn her into a cyborg, <laughs> have her almost get captured because her protector is lame, and uh, he ends up getting killed pretty quickly there. But uh, so that's how— One of the greatest lines in the movie when he gets killed. Oh, my God. What? How, how does that even start? Well, he, the, the, the oh well, yeah. Well, first of all, the guys—they're called slingers. We never really—they never explain what a slinger is. I yeah. guess they're like guides or something, and like they're like rangers. I don't know what the fuck my they my interpretation of it uh, was just somebody says slingers fight pirates, and so that was all I thought we got on uh, any kind of detail about what their role was. So, and also Jean Claude is an ex slinger, but this, at this moment in the movie, another slinger is trying to and guide the cyborg to Atlanta where they where I guess it makes sense because the CDC is in Atlanta. So yeah. it's probably, you know, it makes sense. And then for then this, get, they, uh, what I didn't get was is Fender looking for her? Or he just stumbles onto her. He stumbles onto her because he's just going around wrecking shit, and so because he act, he's the one person who loves the way the world is. Yeah, he describes it. I like the world <laughs> I live in. So we get introduced to him really quickly after this weaselly guy with the cyborg runs into him, and this is the slinger who's supposed to help her down to Atlanta. So he gets, he runs right into him, gets knocked over. Fender, of course, is just massing, hulking man of. Got the sweetest fucking grimy macho man Randy Savage shades you've ever seen. It's just fucking awesome. But uh, he gets, so the Weasley Slinger gets knocked over and he's just getting destroyed by Fender and he's just like, go to hell! Been there. <laughs> 
That's what he said. Griff was having trouble understanding him because this guy's voice is so gravelly. I've got I've got so much bass going in my system that when he talks, it just rattles, and I didn't put my ear to the ground. Well, you to really forget, make and it his out. move, his his class, he does it at least three or four times in the movie. Whenever he meets somebody, he takes off his his grimy Macho Man Randy Savage glasses. Yeah, and he's got he's a black guy, and he's got these bright blue eyes. So I guess he just dazzles people with his like his eyes, right? And just puts like hypnotizes them. I don't know. So we don't really get uh, we get like as they travel we get a lot of abandoned buildings which I thought looked kind of cool. Well, yeah. I mean, instead of like going into the usual spark factories and everything of that era, it was like they were going into just like they look like uh, I would describe them as like power plants or something like abandoned because there was like a lot of pipes and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, there was a lot of pipes. Uh, they were strong enough to hold a lot John of catwalks. Yeah, a lot of catwalks. Um, you always have to be working in three dimensions when you have John Clark, so you have to be able to jump down or, you know, he's got a lot of moves. He's really talented. Um, but of course we've got all these abandoned buildings. Uh, we've got a sewerway that, uh, they jump into at one point and shits them out in the middle of a de- like middle of nothing. Yeah, it was like a field. Yeah, and I don't know when they started building sewers. It was right by that beach, I think. Yeah. Probably. It was right by the beach. Like, what the fuck? Who's building the sewer systems? Um, But very early on, we also get a whole hell of a lot of Jesus themes that really come into play later on. But just to kind of set the stage on that, a lot of Jesus themes. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, the biggest Jesus theme of all time. Do we want to get into that right now? No, we don't want to get okay. into that right now. <clears throat> but we also have, uh, I mean, Murray already kind of brought it up. We're, we only Excuse get me, the- it's B.C. Rich oh, Warlock. B.C. Rich, War- Rich Warlock. For the purposes of this episode, I'm B.C. Rich Warlock. So I guess I should ex- explain that as well. Um, there is six main characters in this movie. And all six of them have heavily uh, influenced names based on instruments. So our main hero is Gibson Rickenbacker. Uh, Our villain is Fender Tremello. And then I forget where this guy falls into the mix, but uh, Marshall Strat. And then we have a Les, uh, Gibson Les Paul. Uh, We have a Pearl Prophet, which uh, I believe that was a cyborg. That's a cyborg. Yeah. And so Pearl is uh, a drum set, and Prophet 5 actually is a synthesizer, which we were joking around. That's probably what they use for the audio of this the or the soundtrack. The most obnoxious fucking soundtrack you could ever hear. Yeah, it was very fluttery and just kind of... I mean, that, that's all... Uh, getting into more like uh, 80s action tropes, the synthesizer was a huge part of 80s soundtracks. It's cheap, man. Well, also, you got to understand... In the 80s, in the early 80s, for some reason, people thought New Wave was taking over. Like, that was going to be the sound. Right. And, of course, that's very heavy. Like, every band became, every band had, like, no matter if they were, like, a 70s rock band, they had skinny ties. Yeah. This is it. This is the future. We're going to do this. It lasted, of course, like, three years. But the synth stayed because, like you said, it was cheap. And this was, half of the the playing is just, dun, dun, (laughs) dun, dun, dun. 
Literally, it was it was the most obnoxious soundtrack. Yeah, if I if I had the the hookups, I could have recreated that probably in a few minutes and had it just kind of very quietly in the background throughout. The it episode. was like the, and it was like the cheapest like Casio keyboard. It wasn't even like a nice sounding one. No, it, it was rough. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then we also get um, we can cover that when we start talking about our hero of this movie, but. Um, Really, uh, what I want... Oh, yeah, we forgot. And uh, Nady Simmons. So I guess Simmons was some kind of electronic drum set. So those were the six people that they pointed out for having sweet guitar names like ourselves, BC Rich Warlock and Epiphone Wilshire. Um, so we're, we're feeling pretty cool today with uh, our much improved names. Cause I might legally change my name to BC Rich Warlock. <laughs> I honestly think you should. Um, so... You had some thoughts on our villain. Let's let's go ahead and start there. Well, you know, hear me out, people. I don't know if you're aware, but there's this movie called Avengers: Affinity War. It's this little, it's a little like art film. Never heard of it. A few people see. I saw. Well, I'm cool, so I saw it, and I couldn't help but noticing that the villain of an Avengers, Thanos, is a complete ripoff of Fender Tremolo. Complete, dude. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, he uh, he's in love with death. He just wants to kill things. This is true. I mean, you brought it up. He's he loves the world. I love death. <laughs> that, that, that could be Thanos. Also, he kills a family, but he takes a daughter in as his own and like raises her as a daughter. Yeah. Well, who does that sound like? That Thanos sounds like Thanos. So, and then I'm sure there's some of you nerds out there that are like, oh, no, it's not. Infinity War was based on the Infinity Gauntlet comic book. Well, guess what? Infinity Gauntlet comic book came out in 91, two oh. years after Cyborg. I mean, Cyborg even had a comic out before then. Exactly. Oh, yeah, speaking of, yeah, speaking of Cyborg comic book, <laughs> let's bring that up. I own probably the only copy <laughs> of the... Cyborg comic adaptation, and it's a collector's edition because it says so right on the cover. <laughs> collector's edition comic book. Adapted from the hit film Cyborg. Wait, why didn't you don your gloves before you touched this? I mean, you're lowering the value. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's, ah! a, that's okay. We, we'll... It also says he's the first hero of the 21st century, going back to what yeah, you were saying yeah. earlier. This was put out by a Canon, a Canon video comic, the one and only comic <laughs> Canon ever put out. And oh the one God. thing that I loved about it the most is, okay, it's an adaptation. So right at the end of the comic, it's it's like it's just when Fender and Gibson are going to have their fucking oh, kick-ass fight. Yeah. And then, it, and then it stops and it says, to experience the spectacular climax of this epic odyssey into the future, watch for the premiere of Cyborg starring Jean-Claude Van Damme on video cassette, available at video outlets nationwide beginning September 20th. So they don't even finish the goddamn... You gotta buy... <laughs> and at the time, video cassettes were probably like 50, 60 bucks at the time. So I'm gonna have to buy this so I can figure out what happens at the end. I could, I could rent it. Well, you but I guess. I wouldn't want... What's this? You even, want to own this shit. What's even more surprising? Does that pick up at the beginning of the movie or like halfway in or where? No, this because has the entire movie in it. So it's a one comic book. It's not yeah. very long. They can't fit one page just to have the fight. Yeah. It's chock full of advertisements. Right there, right there they got the scene where you yeah, see your, your wig the, off. Yep. Holy shit. They did the whole movie yeah. in like 
15 pages of comic book. Because literally every other page is an ad for a canon movie or there's breakdowns of the actors and how they are excelling yeah. in their I careers. I also learned that the actor who played Fender, Vincent Klein, spelled K-L-Y-N, but they let you know that it's pronounced K-L-I-N-E, Klein. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind of an exotic <laughs> name. And he was he was Hawaii's most famous surfer. I did not know that. I was, I was happy to read that. It probably explains why he didn't do more movies. I was interested in the movies that he did because uh, it says he was in some kind of surf uh, yeah, he was tri- in trilogy. The hugely successful Wave Warriors trilogy. Now, remember Wave Warriors? I we might have to cover that one. I need to see that. Like I'm stoked to see this guy. I mean, is he a, is he a good guy in that? I have no idea. I'd well, have, I have to see it. I'd have to imagine he is. But but yeah, it was there was a really like a bait and switch. It's like you're like oh shit, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get it all and. You know, the comic books, like, no, you're not. Yeah, those fucking cannon boys really dropped the ball on this one. I got their comic book. I got the whole story. I got some sweet fights, some sweet uh, robot wig brain having. You, you really you're do feel hyped. like... You're like, oh, shit, this is where it goes down. You're getting excited. Boom. You're learning about the cast. Like, you're just uh, you're bee's knees, you know? I spent three bucks, and I'm just getting getting my fix. And then they just kick you in the balls. They really did. But I bet a lot of people were just like, well... I can't live my life until I go buy this cassette. Yeah, I'm sure they probably they put five million of that ten million they made was probably from videos, right? But so, getting back to the movie, what we where were we? So the so Fender kills the Slinger. Fortunately, Jean Claude happens to be walking by as this is happening. Yeah. He's he's burnt out. You don't he's he's got a troubled past. We don't know yet what happened, but he's fucked up. He's fucked up. And he's like, I don't want to deal with the world. I'm I'm just gonna live by myself. I'm not gonna interact with people. Yeah. But he's but that he's a hero at heart. So he's like, I gotta intervene. I have to yeah. I have to save this woman. Yep. So he saves her, kills the guys. She reveals she's a cyborg. She's like, I gotta go to land. He's like, uh, I'm no, I'm out. I can't do it. Yep. Somehow she talks him into it. So then they go. Or wait, no. No, she immediately gets captured. Oh, she immediately gets captured. You're she right. She immediately gets captured. But he bumps into what, what turns out to be his sidekick for the movie. Yes. Who was in a village that Fender destroyed. Yes. So she wants revenge, too. Right. And in fact, she, I think she, talk, she talks him into going. Because he's still she, like, fuck it. I've, I've seen shit. You don't know what I've seen. Yeah. So you gloss over the fact that like you, the cyborg just looks at John claude and do, like you get the view of the, her yeah, eye, the cheesy Terminator vision. Yeah, you yeah. get like the sweet Terminator vision. Cheesy, come on, it was awesome. <laughs> and she just immediately assesses, "You're good, you'll help me out." Yeah. And so she keeps nudging him, try you know to help her out. Well, he doesn't do enough. She gets captured. They end up just rolling through the like so far. And this is what I love about G and G villains is that. They don't need a backstory. They don't need any reason. They just fucking love killing his, and fucking shit his up. His grimy Macho Man glasses had a better backstory than... They, it, yeah. it, it had more of a character arc than Fender himself had. It had more of a character arc than pretty much every character in this movie. I mean, I guess they gave... And in fact, getting back to the whole Thanos thing, if he had the Infinity Stones, he would bedazzle that sweet-ass Macho Man glasses, and he I, would shoot shit from his eyes. I wish I had any kind of talents for f- doctoring photos because I would have some beautiful <laughs> gemmed glasses on our, our main man Fender there. Um, so, right, so he decides, Fender decides they're going to go to Atlanta via 
boat. Yeah, they they rampage that village so they can get themselves a boat, and that's where Van Dam meets. Uh, uh, what's her name? Natty, I think Natty. is her name. Natty Ice. And so they decide they're going to walk. But of course, you, you know you can you can beat a boat if you just walk across America. They're they're in New York City, and they're going to walk to Atlanta. John Claude's very fast walker, so it makes perfect sense to me. Um, but we keep hearing like as John Claude's walking around, and we get more scenes of fucking people sharpening knives like for the longest well, we also, thing. but this is the thing throughout while we're watching the movie we get flashbacks to Jean-Claude's past yeah. and, we, and we find out why he is the way that he is so we learn that he was a I guess a, I guess a slinger was basically a guide he would like you know show you how to get around without getting killed or anything so he meets this woman. I'm assu- I guess they were her younger brother and sister I didn't think they were her kids but I don't know it could be her yeah, kids yeah they never really explained that relationship he meets them, and he falls in love with the girl, and she's like, look, you don't have to be a slinger. You can just live this life in this shitty house we found in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And did I mention that to, in order to let us know that this is a flashback, Jean-Claude is wearing the worst fucking wig I've ever seen. Oh, man. It's like It looks like the wig that Norman Bates wore in Psycho when he was dressed up like his mom. Like, he was like in a ponytail, but it's like... He's like he has like he pulls it back in a ponytail, yet his bangs are like pulled down into his face. He's very emo kind of hair. Yeah, he is kind of always looking down, so it it really covers his face and creates that nice shadow over and she, him. And so she's like, "You don't have to do this." He decides, you know what? You're right. I don't have to. So he gives it up. He puts his five-barreled gun away. A lot of a lot of very strange. I well, the, you know the best thing about settling down, he finally cut his fucking hair because that wig had to fucking go. I can't imagine she wasn't saying the same thing because he had longer hair than she did. Yeah, she had and, short hair. Yeah, and she looked great with it. But then he had this hair, and it was like, a what was her accent? Because I, 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 I was, it, it was kind of a weird southern accent. It was supposed to be like a southern accent, but his wig in combination with her accent, I was like, is this the fucking eighteen hundreds or something? <laughs> like, yeah. I couldn't figure out where well, to a, place in a way this. It is because we're like. Civilization's gone, so we kind of are in the Middle Ages. Maybe she picked up that accent that way. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so we're thinking, oh, everything's hunky dory. They're gonna, they have a great, one of the hottest sex scenes you've ever seen. Jean Claude actually kisses her neck. Well, you got, you got a nice blue backdrop there. It's very sensual. You get, it's dark. You just see shadows really and sweat glistening, and of course Jean Claude just kissing a neck. It's, it is, and then they cut it. And it is just, just neck up. So, but it. It was hot enough for Fender because, as we learn, he's sitting in the window watching them as they're sleeping with his gang. Even better, it's daylight. Yeah. It is pure daylight, (laughs) and they cut to them, and it's dark as fuck. (laughs) And we know this is in the past for Fender, too, because his 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 Macho Man glasses are clean. Clean as fuck. And he doesn't have his patented dreadlocks that he has later in the movie. He just has, like, kind of a scent, like a little longish hair. And he's not wearing his chainmail shirt that he wears. Oh, good call. Like that, he's wearing like a biker kind of like seriously, vest. Seriously, you mentioned it. My favorite character arc of this movie was Fender's glasses. Like when, went, when, yeah, when, when I started noticing in those cutbacks when they were just clean <laughs> and then slowly throughout the movie, they're just getting grimier and grime. I was, Almost like his soul, you know, if we're, we're getting ooh, yeah. deep into it. You know? Yeah, good point. He did have a deep, dark soul. I mean, they, again, I... There's probably some more of the religious themes happening within him, but I, I haven't really looked past the, past the glasses. So, Well, so since Fender's an evil fucker, he decides, I don't even think, 
he doesn't even know John Glad, does he? There's no past. He just, yeah. happened, he just happened to. Fender just stumbles onto everything. Yeah, as much as much as we know, he's just walking by. Just, and he likes fucking shit he up. He likes death. He likes death. So right. he decides. He comes up actually with a pretty cool way of killing people. He ties the little boy Jean Claude and his girlfriend up with barbed wire, hangs them over a well. Yeah. This was kind of cool. And then he has the then there he spares the daughter, which he takes under his wing later on. And he has, or I, I I would say sister. I didn't think I don't think they were her kids. But and he's like, you can save them <laughs> if you can hold this wire. First of all, how the hell was that one guy holding the barbed wire up? There's like three people there. So he's yeah, that guy's jacked, man. So of course she grabs it. Of course she can't hold it. It rips through her hands. They fall to their deaths, and like every good bad guy, he doesn't stick around to see Jean Claude's dead. He just they just book yeah. out. Yeah, he's like, look, you're with us now. Let's get the fuck out of here. But I mean, Jean Claude if... crawls back out. Yeah. For unfortunately, everybody else dies. Yeah, gets on his knees, screams out Fender. I don't remember him ever introducing himself, but he knew the guy's name was Fender. <laughs> he's just Fender. He... He's got a reputation. I mean, it just follows. There's probably like uh, saloons and stuff, and they got wanted posters of Fender and his sweet sunglasses. Because at this time, they were still good. So, well, got, no, no, though the wanted posters would have his great, those beautiful, piercing blue eyes. Oh my god! Yeah, that was his movie. He would just always take his glasses off. Yeah, he would just be mesmerized. Exactly. It, you would know that you were about to get fucked over because it. That would, was his move. Was like, I'm gonna kick your. You know, yeah. like an over the top where. Sylvester Stallone pulls his baseball cap backwards. Good point. This, this is this is Fender's movie. Pulls off the sunglasses. Well, you know, first of all, you don't want to get your sweet ass fucking Macho Man glasses broken, so you want to put them away. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. He clearly had that one pair for uh, that girl age, probably fifteen years. So let's say fifteen years. He had one pair of sunglasses for fifteen years. So he took care of them. He took very well, not really, because they were grimy. He needed to wash them every once in a while. Or maybe that was like a th- look he was going for. That might. I'm, I. He was I, like, "I'm trying something out, guys. What do you think?" And then he's yeah. like, "He's got some grime on there." My my big problem with him is that everyone uh, throughout, like, you meet one real civilization where it's just like a gathering of people, and of course, when we meet these people, they're all sharpening knives too, That's and they're all the they're all buff as fuck, just sharpening knives, sweating. And people are telling glistening. Them, glistening, yeah, that's a good word for it. <laughs> so everybody's telling him, "You can't go after Fender, man. He's he's more human than a human. He's he's yeah, I did that. <laughs> you went there. <laughs> yeah, I went there. Okay. Like everyone's just trying to tell him about how buff he is, and eventually well, he fucking was buff. I mean, yeah, he was actually he was actually more ripped than Jean Claude. Jean Claude. Oh, definitely. You know? Jean Claude's a little guy, though. We learned yeah. about that in the comic book, where it told us that Jean Claude's dad made him sign up for karate. <laughs> Because he was a weak little bitch, uh, and eventually John Claude became not you know the muscles from Brussels. Yes. Okay, I thought I fucked that up somehow. No. Um, so everyone's telling him, and even uh, when he interacts, because at one point John Claude actually does have the chance to save the cyborg, like halfway in the movie, and cyborg's just like, "No, you're not strong enough to fight him, so I'm gonna go with him." And because yeah, they're like they're gonna to, like like 
first of all, you guilt Jean-Claude into helping exactly. you. And, and then you're like, oh, I don't want your help. Yeah, everybody's guilting Jean-Claude and telling him, you're strong enough, you're strong enough, you'll get me to Atlanta, you'll you'll save the cyborg and help her get to Atlanta. And then the cyborg herself is like, <laughs> like you're, you're not gonna... strong enough, what are you talking about? What was about? I thinking? Yeah, like, you suck. I love that part, I was just like, Oh yeah, and then he saves, and then she's like, "Don't, no. don't, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll figure it out when I get to Atlanta." Exactly. Well, you know. But uh, another aspect I want to point out is before that scene, there's a scene where, of course, I think we mentioned earlier, he 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 picks up a sidekick, this tough talking street girl who's like, "I'm spunky," you know. And there's a scene where they're, they find like they're, they go find the ocean, and, they, and she decides, hey, man, I'm going to get naked and skinny dipping. Oh, yeah. So then Jean-Claude's like, yeah, I'll, I'll go skinny dipping with you, but that's it. Right. Because later on, well, actually, no, he doesn't even skinny dip with her because he's, no, he doesn't. He, he's like, he can't even he, do that. He goes in afterwards. There's, a, there's the moment where she starts stripping down, and my reflection on JCVD, of course, is that we're not going to see any of her naked. We'll get eventually see John Cold's butt, though. Uh, but no, they do cut to her, and she's running, and her butt's jiggling. And I was, I was like, oh wow, they actually showed somebody else's butt in a John Claude movie. Yeah. Um, but he does. He kind of looks. He, he does. I thought he, he looked. Does. I thought he looked away. No, when he notices she's stripping down, he kind of does turn. <laughs> but then you see his head kind of peek over, and his gesture his eyebrows peek up like oh shit i think that was a little little van damme ad lib i think that was i think that was where like every shot they're like stop you're not this is this is your thing guy you don't like looking at this in movies and touching like and but for some reason he was just uh infatuated by that butt well it was a good butt but uh so anyway Later in the night, he he bathes and he goes up to the campfire and she's like, "Hey, I'm right here. Yeah, whatever you want, yeah. you know." And and then so she like bears her breast and he's like, doesn't even say anything. He just goes up, covers her up. No, like he's got he's got like a blanket wrapped around him and he starts to kind of shimmy it up too. Like after he tells her to hide her. Her, her goods he's like i'm just gonna hide mine too so neither of us are interested she's like you don't have to cover them up i i i like scars <laughs> so you so basically set the scene this is a very chase relationship there's nothing's gonna happen they're they're friends yeah she, he friend zoned her he did he friend zones her because of course that past relationship is all i can think about um but I really want to bring up something that was bothering me, and that's all the villain's hair. Did you notice how many of uh, Fender's villain's hair, like the hairstyles they were rocking? Well, it's not, apparently people have a crimping iron in the future because there's a lot of crimped hair. There was a lot of crimped <laughs> hair. It was like the two uh, hairstyles, and I want to lead, uh, lead, lead this into you were mentioning another video you wanted to show me, but a lot of crimped hair. It was crimped mullet or just flat-out mullet. Like, that was the you, hairstyle. You know something, films. Griff? Mullet would be the perfect segue to what I want to talk about next. Cause you, I know you enjoyed what I did last year. I don't know if anyone else did, but, you know, I've been watching a lot of 80s heavy metal videos lately. And I've noticed a lot of shit I did not notice back then. And I wanted to bring up this video because there is... It, it ties in. It makes sense. There is a cyborg in this video. Oh, good. I was going to say... Of course, the video I'm talking about is by one Mr. Ronald James Dio, Ronnie to his friends, oh. called The Last in Line. So I just want to go over this video with you. You've you got to see it. It's, it's pretty weird. We're starting out 
There's this kid riding a bike. He's like a delivery boy. He looks like he works at a grocery store. Well, I don't know what. He's delivering like a package to like an office building. And uh, this kid, I remember this kid. He was on a oh, show in the man, 80s sweet, where he was like really? a time traveling show. Yeah. I don't remember his name, but that's what he was from. He's driving. Well, he's not driving. He's riding a bike. He's got no helmet. Stops. This safe. guy, this burnout dude, oh, gives him the fucking that- D.O. hand sign. He reminds me of a guy we know named Dennis. <laughs> Then he gets into an elevator, and you're like, okay, he's just going to go deliver this baggage. No big deal. Until what? Oh, shit. The elevator goes out, and we start hurtling down to hell. He looks like uh, he's the, maybe the teenage version of one of the uh, Fender's villains. Could have been. He's got that curly, long hair. He tries to open the door. A ten- now what? we're into some Japanese what? tentacle porn. Tentacle's about to do something to this kid. He's like, oh, shit. Stops it. Closes the door. What the fuck? This now, be prepared. Some... I want you to stop at any moment now. Be prepared. Some... Stop! Toe jam and her What shit. do you see right there, Griff? Oh, That's boy. a motherfucking Borg, dude. A what? Borg from Star Trek from Next Star Generation. Trek? Except this came out four years before. But Borg... Oh, I see the vacuum, So, too. basically, what I'm trying to say is Star Wars ripped off Dio. You mean Star Trek? Star Trek. Yeah, sorry. Star Wars is... That's okay. Totally I know different. how excited you are about that solo movie. I love it. Can't wait. What's going on with his earring here? Well, this is the 80s. Everyone had dangle earrings. He's got, like, the big Mr. T feather earring. He's got, like, a little tooth. Well, I don't know what that is. But I'm just saying, like, we're, we're first we're talking about how Marvel is ripping off Cyborg. Star Trek ripped off Ronnie James Dio. Man. Continue. This is rough. This is a rough day for all. So these, this like, kid, I'm this kid's like in cyborg hell. Is what oh, I describe okay. it he as. definitely looks like a. Boy so now. all these people are being like they're like enslaved. We got nerds. We got mutants. We got everybody, and they're being herded into this area. And then here's our hero, Ronnie James Dio, wearing some crazy ass fucking like King Tut necklace thing. What the fuck? With a skullet, because we know Ronnie Ronnie James Dio is balding. <laughs> Now, what we're looking at, these kids are being tortured by playing shitty arcade games. And every time they lose, they get shocked. What the fuck? <laughs> I think this was an episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> well, they, uh, he, Ronnie James is head of the times. Ronnie's playing some crazy little game where you put a, like, a coin in and it goes down the slot. Yeah, they had those at Taco Bell. Yeah. And then he oh. hurts the kid again. I thought he was going to help the kid. So there's still, so we're still being herded. The kid, our hero, is being herded. He looks out, sees this hellscape where people are being tortured in electric chairs. Wow! So this is hell, right? Then a little sweet little solo from Vivian Campbell. Yeah, he's he's feeling it. He really is. People are feeling him. Well, oh shit! Yeah, they're loving it. Now, are they feeling him, or is it the brain contraption? I think his them? his his no. I think his his. He's like setting them free with his guitar solo is what you, I describe. Really? And then the drummer's playing some giant ass tom toms. I thought they. I and thought then the, band the was kid looks out. The uh, there's a giant Dio mascot. I don't remember what it was called. Oh, that's a Dio mascot. Yes, he's like. And then there's Dio. He's like, I'm gonna save y'all. I thought they were I'm going Dio. for like an Egyptian dog thing. No, that's the Dio mascot from the Holy Diver album. Oh fuck! Because everyone had to have a mascot in the '80s. And now they're, and then like you're thinking Dio's the hero, but is he the villain? Because they're making him watch a Dio video. I'm, and they're, and they're tie, they got those like clockwork orange clamps on their eyes. Oh, geez. And gags for their mouth. So I don't know what's going on with that. So this kid's like, fuck this shit. I'm going back up in the elevator. Meanwhile, 
Borg grabs the kid. Oh, the kid's not, you notice how the kid's not even bothered. He's being strangled, but he's like, eh, rips out some tubes, fucked up. And this is the best part. Dio grabs a lightsaber. Uh, okay. Uh, he's about, the kid's about to get his throat ripped out. And he hits him in the nuts with a fucking lightsaber. Wait, Did you see that? He just hit a guy, the Borg in the, in the nuts with a lightsaber. So then the kid gets back in the in the elevator, goes back up. All of a sudden, Dio's a bad guy again. I don't. I never got Dio's role in this. Wait, because, so the Borg might be policing this, and Dio is kind of like a mid management type situation. Maybe you know, maybe what it is is Dio like got sent to hell for rocking too hard, and so he's helping maybe. fellow rockers. They yeah, like I think they were. But the good news is the kid goes back up. Uh, apparently, all you needed to do was push the the floor to the upper levels, and you go back up. That's a magic that's how you elevator. But I just wanted to point that out. That was that was very interesting. There was a lot of different things. A lot of stuff going there. on. A lot of themes. Um, that, speaking of themes, so we definitely need to get back into all of the wonderful universe that was John Claude's character. And by universe, I mean very one dimensional. Outside of the wig, he had a pretty sweet, like glittery disco shirt too. Oh, he did have a really cool shirt. So again. It's more the objects that are the character than the yes. character itself. Yes, inanimate objects are more fully formed than the character. Yeah, because like the things I took away from the character, macho. Well, obviously Fender, Macho Man sunglasses, fourteen knives, the weird chainmail like, shirt, yeah, a real chainmail shirt, not real, a fake one like the guy real. from Commando had. Yeah, because they were still making chain. Well, that's very dystopian. I like that was one of the dystopian parts I believed in. Like the rest <laughs> was just like, wait, what? But that, that was cool. But we talked about uh, how he's haunted by his past, and his main goal in, uh, in getting to Fender, of course, is to kill him. You know, for... this is one thing I never got, though. He wants revenge on Fender. Yeah. He's offered it, and he, he's like, no, I don't want to. I didn't get that. Like, in the beginning? Yeah. What was up with that? I, I don't know. Was he so broken that he's like, I, maybe he, he actually didn't believe in himself. Everyone is, the whole movie, everybody's shitting on Van Damme. That's a good point. So the cyborg finally like helps kind of inflate his ego a little bit. And then uh, Nady? Yeah. Yeah. Nady uh, really helps inflate it uh, when, when he's sharpening his ever. knife. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> When, uh, yeah, because Nady then starts encouraging him, like, no, you totally got this. You can do it. Your knife's so sharp. Your bicep's so glistening and strong. You can do this. And, yeah, I mean, he was sitting really close to that fire, but you could tell it was just the sheer uh, concentration he was putting into sharpening that knife that really uh, allowed Nady to see that he could. Yeah, take so, that like, in the middle of the movie. He finally catches up to Fender. So you oh figure my God. this you, is it. Yeah. This is where shit goes it was, down. It was, it was the better... It was the cooler showdowns for me. Because there was just a lot more happening. John Claw's getting caught. Nady's getting caught. There's a lot Sunglasses more Sunglasses are coming off. Sunglasses coming off. Blue eyes is a-blazing. And so... Uh, he gets the shit kicked out of him. I mean, but after yeah. he fought like twelve guys, it's not like you know. Yeah, no, he, he was fully okay. Know. Yeah, come on, give my man some credit here. He <laughs> takes down like twelve guys. There's a sweet knife samurai showdown on that catwalk where you, like yeah, he you, pulls out a knife and the other guy pulls out two that's knives. That's not a knife. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And they run and do like the samurai jump. Oh, and, we like, forgot. There's other. also a sweet move. It's not in this fight scene, but an earlier one where Van Damme's got a knife in his boot and he does a roundhouse and just oh, slashes dude. the guy's throat. Yeah. Yeah, that was I, sweet. I was going to get to the knife boot. <laughs> you had to get there. But, you know, like knife boot, 
knife boot ruined my childhood because all I could think about was a knife in my shoe. So sometimes I just looked down at my foot and imagine a knife and like make knife noises as I kind of kicked. You weren't, you never tried to build a knife. You just, you just imagined. Huh? I used to keep a plastic knife in my boot. Okay. But I never could figure out the technology. Well, I think my mom would have killed me if I cut like a. But even then, it's like, how do you work the handle? In the- I, I, don't I don't know. There's plenty of logistics. You I- figure if you would, yeah, you would like step on it and it would pop out all the time. Well, yeah. I'm working with a third grade education here. So no, I'm, I'm, try- I'm trying as an adult trying to figure out the technology behind his knife. Yeah, it always comes out uh, like a, a vertical. How do I explain that? I don't know. Uh, it kind of with a, a comes, 90 out of ground? Would that be? I don't, it comes straight it, out of the toe. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm trying to say it comes out uh, uh, like perpendicular, parallel. I can't figure out my dimensions here, but you would think it would come out flat because then you could hide it like in the uh, – so like if this was your boot, it would come out flat. So it would be like parallel with the ground is what I'm saying. That's well, I'm getting it right. Yeah, well, but it comes out – uh, you know, twist to 90 degrees. So it's got to, like, go into his foot. I don't know. That's – that'll be a mystery we'll never know. We'll figure That's, it out. That's I, – I really want to get the science behind this knife because it should come out parallel to the ground, and it does not. But So basically, Fender kicks the shit out of Van Damme. Not enough to knock him out. He's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Well, this is right after fucking uh, – the cyborg's like, eh, f- f- you suck. I don't even yeah. want you. So he's like, all right, well, I'm going to get out of here with Natty. So he grabs her. Fortunately, there's like a manhole sitting there and in this abandoned power plant we're at, whatever it was. He gets chased by all that sweet 80s hair. And it's the guy with the hair that made me remember it. <laughs> Just so to- they're running through the sewer. It's Full of water. It's raining practically in the sewer. And there's something we always have to have in a John Claude Van Damme you can't movie. Have isn't a, there? You can't have a John Claude Van Damme without it. Isn't What there? are we talking about, Griff? Well, we're running through the sewers. He's got Nady. Nady's been kind of uh, uh, impaled in some way. So no, she, she's just unconscious. She's just unconscious. Okay. Yeah. So he's carrying her, and they're waist deep in water, and they're sludging through. So he you can't just drop her. I mean, she. Would technically float probably but well he's like i i can't run away i have to yeah stall he, these guys he's got to he's got to deal with the force he knows is right right on his tail so we get the villain with the best hair stalking and then we get a cut of john claude just in a close-up and it's his face and it's real dark again but well, then, there's, like, there's like a spotlight, like it's perfectly yeah, lit right on. As it slowly starts, because they're cutting in between the guy stalking through this archway and John Claude slowly like unveiling himself to the point where we see that there is just a bright fucking light on John Claude. This <laughs> not wa- bright enough that the bad guy can see. Yeah, him. clearly not bright enough for that. But he is. Maybe eight and a half, nine feet off the ground. I don't even think he was that high. I would say seven. <laughs> I would say yeah. maybe. But it's got to be low enough <laughs> for him to do the splits because what he does, he's doing the splits, of course, across this doorway. And the guy walks through it. And as he's walking through, Jean Claude swings down and just drives a knife like right into his chest, I think. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it was in the face, but it was, it was, it was still a sweet, pretty like scene. It was. It, a lo- really, it looked cool. It looked cool as shit, but it was just like 
That guy didn't <laughs> like. He's, all he had to do was like look oh, up slightly. No, this is the problem. That hair. He had that, that stupid it? fucking hair. If he didn't, if he was one of those guys with the pulled back mullet or a buzz cut or something, he would have been so like. He's only himself to blame. He exactly. He would have been like, I have peripheral vision. I see a man doing the splits right there, and I'm just gonna shoot him with my four barreled gun or throw a knife into his butt. A lot of knife thrown in this as well. A lot of knife throwing. Yeah. But instead, he got fucking stabbed in the chest by a man who was doing the splits seven feet above his head. Yes. So that gives him enough time to escape. Fortunately, the, the sewer they're in leads out to a, a barren field. But it also leads them to uh, a beach where they, well, they had a good lead on those people. Um, but uh, eventually, they, they do get caught. Yeah, eventually the gang catches up to Jean-Claude and beats the shit out of him again. Yeah, he gets the shit. I don't even the- think Fender wasn't even there, right? His henchman no, just Fender, beat No, Fender shit. shows up eventually. Uh, you just see, like, they have him. Uh, they got him kind of, like, held down, and then Fender shows up in, like, the uh, the corner. Uh, you see him Does he take off his in. glasses? I'm assuming he does. No, I don't believe because he's already intimidated them enough. He's like, you guys like, are I don't want to kick him while he's down. You're already frightened. Um... But what we do get so here... So what, what it looks like is, since there's been an apocalypse, it looks like there used to be like a lake here, but there's no longer a lake. So there's an abandoned ship yep. right on the ground. Yep. So Fender gets this great idea. He's like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to crucify Gibson and Rickenbacker on the mast of this ship. Oh my God, BC. You're onto something here. Now this is where we get into some deep shit. Because I mean, there's there's a lot of Jesus like illusions. There, Obviously, the crucifixion. There's been a lot of like they've crossed by uh, up into this point a lot of like corpses that were crucified and stuff. And so now we're finally getting uh, our main man being uh, crucified alive. Well, we find out not only is John Clive Van Dam the man, he out Jesus Jesus just by sheer willpower and flashback power. Yes, this is where we fi- we find figure out the story, yeah. and where we also learn because at the time, Jean Claude or Gibson Rickenbacker thought that the little girl that he grew that he was taking care of had would have been killed. You know, you yeah. figure Fender's an evil motherfucker; he's not going to take Fender, care of yeah. her. He's going to rape her, kill her, and shit. No, he raised her, and how does he know? Because she's wearing the little slinger she's, pendant yep. that he gave her. Yep. So she sees him. You can tell she's conflicted. Yep. She's like, "What have I done?" And then, but she just she's Fender, like I, Fender calls her back. Like, Come here, and you know and she, she's going along. With what's it. wrong with you? She's playing the long con at this point. <laughs> After she realizes, she's like, "Look, I know this guy. He climbed out of that well. Clearly, he's got he's he's pretty much Jesus." And well, no, 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 he's better than Jesus yeah. because he doesn't die. He actually kicks the shit. This is that. This is how I. Stay with me here. Okay. Here's the okay. theory I have. The reason why Jesus died on the cross was, and Van Dam didn't die on the cross, is because Jesus was all about the abs. He was really into his core. He, but he didn't work the legs, bro. Yeah. Okay. But, but, but meanwhile, Van Dam is all about the glutes and the quads because you got to be able to have strong, you know, quads to do those splits. He was ballet. So, you know, like Jesus. Put a leg day into your workout routine. That's he all I'm saying. Also, I mean, don't get me wrong. Jesus had some fucking fabulous abs. I wish I had half the abs Jesus it's had. It's true. Um, That's probably why he's, he lasted longer on the cross than Van Damme would have. That, a good point. He Jesus, big on the core. Nothing wrong with that. 
but it doesn't get you out of sticky situations like crucifixion. However, our man uh, Gibson here prepared for everything. You know, he's got shiny shirts. He's got uh, five boots, boot knives, five knives. Uh, also, apparently, five boots. Um, but he also has that free motion of legs. He could get yes. so much That's, leverage that, on his well, leg. And maybe I'm being unfair to Jesus because they did not nail his leg. I apologize to Jesus yeah, for that. You know what? But so he's being so he's flat, we're flashing back. We're finally seeing he's putting we're putting all these flashbacks we've seen throughout the movie together and we're realizing, you know, what happened. And he's just enraged and he's just like, nobody believes in me. Uh, and he starts kicking the yeah. mast and kicking and, and giving, kicking and kicking. I wish I could do a good representation of it, but there's <laughs> always the same uh, Jean-Claude shriek throughout his movies. <laughs> <laughs> And he gets the buggy <laughs> eyes, and oh my god, I love it. So he breaks the mast, falls down, and then Natty shows up. I don't know what happened to her in between, like when they were in the sewer yeah, and they now. Yeah, kind of left her. She's just like, "Hey, I'm here. Like, wh- why weren't you here fucking ten minutes ago when I was crucified and having to break myself off?" So she she breaks it off, pulls because he was crucified with arrows. They pinned his arms with arrows. She pulls those out, and then we get ready for the climax. So, man, um, well, they both end up in Atlanta because, of course, that's where the climax of this movie is going to end up. And at this point, you know, John claude has delivered quite a few roundhouses. And as always, I've kept track of the roundhouses. And at this point, I believe he has delivered four roundhouses, but two additional roundhouses were blocked. So... I was like, well, we're going to get another full roundhouse here. Um, well, I'll, I'll give you a quick spoiler alert. You're going to be deprived of that extra roundhouse because he doesn't, he doesn't use it to, to get his ultimate goal. But we do, we, we do get um, this nice play. Well, not plague-like, but another almost biblical theme of just, just cleansing t- rain, cleansing rain, just all kinds of rain. And, you know, they set up uh, Fender and his crew set up a trap, but... No, I, I, no, no, you're, you're wrong. Gibson sets up a trap. They're, oh, Gibby set up yeah, a trap. Yeah, because remember he had the bow and arrow. So they're they're walking, they're they're looking for whatever the place is in Atlanta they need to go to get the cure because he because he wants to destroy the cure because he's evil. I guess that's mm-hmm. all his motivation. I'm evil. <laughs> I like to kill. So, so Jean Claude cuts him off at the path. With his bow, he's got a bow and arrow. I don't think he hit. Did he hit anybody with the bow and arrow? I don't remember arrow? him using the bow and arrow. But he, had, he had a bow and arrow. I, I know remember, that. I, I don't remember, remember him hitting anyone, thing. but he had a bow and arrow. Yeah. And he shot a couple arrows, and then, oh, shit. Fender, you know shit's coming down because Fender takes off not only his sunglasses, but his chainmail shirt. Oh, he, well, yeah, that's right. He blasts that. Uh, he's got that chest. Got to show off going. the fucking abs, man. It, I would. So while he's getting undressed, John Claude's taking care of the other henchmen, kicking their ass, you know, doing his thing. And then Fender's like, "Time to fight with me, motherfucker!" Right. <laughs> and then he, and then he starts beating the shit out of fucking John Claude. Well, they throws him in a car. That that car was great when it, when <laughs> again he does another classic Jean Claude shriek and kicks through that window and hits him because like Nadia distracted him or something. Yeah, she like he was about like Fender was about to kill him and then Nadia comes in distracts him and unfortunately she gets stabbed. Yeah, she and doesn't. She doesn't make it out of this one. Sorry, spoiler alert: she doesn't make it out of this one. 
But she sacrificed, like Jesus, she sacrifices herself for the greater good. Yep. Jean-Claude is re-energized, stabs Fender right in the fucking heart. And Fender goes down. And that and knife was sharp as shit. That knife, well, yeah, absolutely was sharp <laughs> as shit. You see it poke out his back. Like, everybody, there is no knife under five inches in this movie. There's no <laughs> knife under eight inches in this movie. It's all, all Crocodile Dundee knives. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All knives are... 10 to 15 inches long. <laughs> and so this knife, very long, right through uh, Fender, and he just goes straight down. And this rain, like we're talking a lot of rain, when he lays down, it basically covers his everything. Like his chest is gone. Like all you see is the knife sticking out and barely his nose peeking over. So you're like, well, this fucker's dead. John Claude's yeah. done it. Demon have to try to roundhouse him. Yeah. So then the then the girl that he raised runs up to him. They hug. You're like, yay, it's over with. Yeah. We're gonna get the cyborg to where she needs to yeah. go. World's gonna be saved. Not so fast. Well, turns out all those all those people telling uh, uh, Gibson that he needs to be afraid of Fender were not lying because <laughs> Fender takes a knife straight to the chest and he's just like. Mm. Fuck everybody! I'm back up. It, it looked straight out of Universal Soldier there, like even even all the rain, right out of Universal Soldier. But he he pops back up and nope, no, this, this, this fight's is, still this going. This is what I don't understand. Okay, what what was the room they were in? Because there was all these big hooks. What was that for? Well, they again, like all of the uh, all the factories and every like every building structure they went to was completely like blown open like there's no doors anymore there's no garage there's no windows like garage doors I was gonna say there's no windows and so this was no different it was just like one of those factories where it's just pipes you know it was like stairs pipes and ladders and catwalks yeah um and so this one the only remains that were in it aside from the brick structure was some metal hooks. Like big meat hooks. Big meat Maybe hooks. it was a slaughterhouse. I don't know. Who the fuck That's what knows? I'm going to say. Yeah. Slaughterhouse. Like, this is where Because there was some slaughtering going on in this house. And, uh, not, you know, if people watch and say, Griff, that was a fucking round... It was not a roundhouse. He doesn't do a full Griff spin. takes his roundhouses very seriously. Take my roundhouses very seriously. All right? All right. All right. He's like the Russian judge in gymnastics. He's just like, no... That is not a full roundhouse. That is a sweep kick at best. I, I So, again, this is a sweep. It's a jumping sweep. It was sweep. a sweet kick. It was a jumping sweet, sweet kick. Sweet, sweep kick. It was a sweet, sweep kick. Sweet, sweep kick. He jumps. You get you get the boot. You get, you get the, the face. Uh, and then, of course, the slow motion scream. <laughs> no, can't do it. Um, and uh, Fender. Oh, by the way, f- at- Half of Fender's lines are too. So there's like a dueling. Rah! It really is. You got Fender who his registers way low, and then you have John Claude who's just wispy and kind of like, I will not take you to Atlanta. I don't know what that accent is either. Well, it's kind of French. Kind of French. Good. Nailed it. I'll call that one a victory. Um. So yeah. Fender is now uh, being hung from a meat hook because the force of John Claus. Somehow that killed him. Like, yeah. That, to me, that seems less serious than a that knife a fucking, heart. Yeah. So now he's got a hook in his back and a knife in his like. Maybe chest. Fender was such a badass he had two hearts. 
Ooh. Ooh. Maybe and that he, was his cyborg portion. Like, people didn't talk about it, but he actually had a heart, like, in the normal spot, and then he had a heart, like, somewhere. No, he had a heart where he had a heart where he got stabbed, and he had a heart where the hook got him. Oh, I gotcha. So mm. he finally killed him. Fine. So, By the way, that's another... Well, it's not, I don't even say it's 80s. It's, it's a classic trope. When you think that the villain's dead, they always come back. Yeah, and we, we talked about and it. I, I, I told, yeah. told Griff, I fell for it. I thought he was literally dead when he got we, stabbed. We were both so very I was, convinced. I feel stupid. And we now we, we've ruined the surprise for uh, everyone who... Wh- everyone's already seen this look, movie. Yeah, so look, yes. And if, yeah. you, and if you haven't, go watch it. It's, and before it's, go watch it before you listen to this. If that's somehow possible, do that. <laughs> it's readily available everywhere. It's it's not. It's not. Um so we get we get the hero, he gets up, he's rescued the girl from his past, and of course Cyborg that's, is fine, everything's Cy- great. Yep, Cyborg's fine, and the only thing he ever cared about was his past. He didn't care about anyone he met in the present day, native, whatever, she's dead now. No no scene of her him like digging a grave for her and Oh by, uh, by the way. No more trauma. He killed Fender, so he's over it. He's over. He, yeah, is, you know, because that's like in real life. That's what happens. You get your revenge, and then no trauma. Well, he got, he got a little bit of satisfaction knowing that you know the one girl was still alive, and yes, so yeah. you, you know, he felt good about that. So our last scene is going to be John Claude delivering the uh, the cyborg to uh, the science team that uh, she was trying to get to to cure the plague, and. She's walking up. We're, we're, she's going up the staircase to meet with the scientist. John Claude's at the bottom of the staircase with the girl from the past, and uh, the doctors are just like, "Well, now that you're here, we can finally cure the plague." And, uh, and Cyborg drops like the greatest line of all time. She says, "It's strange, but I think that the real cure. I re- I think he's the real cure for the world." So. We didn't I, get it. So, which goes back to the Jesus illusions, right? Exactly. I was gonna say, like this whole thing of just John Claude being crucified and all the strange, symbolically like, dying and then rising again. Yeah, out of, out of the well, and it's like, were they trying to make John Claude Jesus in this movie, and not just Jesus, but a one-up of Jesus because he lived and yes. fought through a crucifixion. So. Um, but as we pointed out, Jesus had his, his feet nailed. So. Yeah, no, so we we're gonna call that a tie. Yeah, gonna, absolutely. Jesus, you're okay. Yeah, I think we have to call it a tie there because of the feet being, you know, free. So, hey, you know, but they they he he was gonna clear the plague. He was gonna be the winner. So um, we all live happily ever, ever after. They, Jean Claude and the uh, girl, go off and sl- become slingers. I don't know what they do. They, yeah, they, they, go, they, they go on more adventures. There, I, I believe there is a sequel and a third movie for this. There is a sequel, yeah. starring a very young, sexy Angelina, Angelina Jolie, Jolie and a very old and craggy Jack Palance. I believe they don't even like they make I, mention of the movie yes. in the form of like. One it's, scene. It's obviously one of those movies that was a totally different movie, and yeah. they just slapped Cyborg Two on it. Kind, kind, kind of like how Kickboxer did it with Kickboxer. Oh, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, uh, that will definitely be a future episode. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I've I've never gotten through Cyborg Two. I don't. I don't think we'll do that one. But we'll def- Kickboxer definitely. If you got excited for hearing that, yes, we'll do that. <laughs> so that's it. Another great episode in the books. Yeah, I mean, um, 
This one is a lot easier to have fun with uh, as opposed yeah, to Jet Who would who would have thunk a movie about forbidden subjects would be about forbidden subjects? I, so I, I think I mean, we're gonna we're gonna do a little more vetting. I think in the future as far as the movies we do, uh, but I think as further <laughs> we, as further we go along, we're gonna be getting into shit everybody knows. You know, I mean, it's, we get in our groove. We're gonna be covering the shit every, everybody knows. So don't worry, that's it's coming. Right. We're not going to be this doing Kinjate forbidden subjects. Because that's not even, because I guarantee you, I'm legitimately a Charles Bronson fan and I want to cover Charles Bronson movies. So we will do a, a Charles Bronson yeah, movie in the future. We've got a few to work with there. Did we ever get to the bottom of how many Charles Bronsons there were in the canon era? In the, in the canon era, I think there were only about four. Okay. And I definitely want to talk about Death Wish 3, but that's for another time. Yeah, yeah, certainly. But. What our next movie is going to be is a classic I remember from my youth that I wanted to see. So I remember the commercials. It was probably about 82, 83. I wanted to see it so badly. All my friends did. It looks as crazy as shit. And believe me, I've seen it now. It is crazy shit. I, I'd forgotten about it. And I don't know why. I just stumbled on it. I was like, holy shit, that's the movie. Yeah. And I watched it. And it's fucking amazing. It's a Golden Globus classic. It's called Treasure of the Four Crowns. So that is what you need to look forward to the next episode. <laughs> Before we leave, I just want to thank you guys for listening to us because you know we're just two guys, two friends, hanging out, talking about shit. And we appreciate you listening to us. And hey, if you enjoy it, please tell other people about it because hey, we want to we want to take over this whole internet thing. <laughs> take over the whole internet. I mean, we're legitimately coming at this as just two people who love like. For years, me and Maria have been talking to each other. Um, excuse me, BC Rich Warlock. Thank you. And myself, Epiphone Wilshire, <laughs> have been talking about these movies uh, with each other and sharing these bad movies that we go and watch by ourselves and the one-liners they use and all, all, all the crazy shit. And so this really is us just kind of extending that into a recording because we were amused by ourselves and we thought other people might be amused by us as well. So we, 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 we love the feedback we've received so far. We're hoping to, you know, garner some more here. But like uh, like uh, BC Rich Warlock said, treasure, treasure of the Four Crowns? Treasure of the Four Crowns treasure in of the four 3D. Crown. I don't have my 3D glasses on. Neither but do I. But you can enjoy it without 3D. I guarantee you. You've I'll never seen a movie like this. I'll figure out the, the, the amount of glue I need to sniff or something. The the drug-induced 3D effect you, I need. You, you won't need drugs. I won't need that? Movie. This movie, I don't want to oversell it, but there's some shit in this movie. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck did I just watch? And I love that. And that's why I love Golan Globus. Because nothing, shit doesn't have to make sense. It just has to be cool. And we need to get back to that i'm so tired of movies where it's like well that wouldn't make sense i don't give a fuck i don't watch you i watch real life for shit to make sense i want movies to be crazy as fuck well i did joke around the other day because i went and saw that rampage movie okay based on the classic video game yeah and of course they did cram uh the rampage machine in there multiple times uh into the background because well yeah but I remember I, no one else is in the theater because this movie's already been out for like three weeks. So I, I literally kicked up the arms on like four chairs and just laid there uh, across the four chairs. And for good chunks of the movie, all I did, there was a stink bug on the screen and I just watched it as it crawled across well, the screen. That's a ringing endorsement for the movie. So 
Go see uh, <laughs> uh, Rampage, but make sure to bring your own stink bug in case it's not there. Because I got to say, 9 out of 10, if there's a stink bug on the screen, very entertaining. It eventually flew away, but I was I was laying down in my seat just completely losing my shit. In a good way? Yeah, sure. I'm rigging endorsement. <laughs> you know what? Better yet, don't watch that. Watch Treasure of the Four Crowns. <laughs> There will be no bugs for that movie. And we will see you next week. So keep it warm. Keep it. Keep it warm.